Hello, everybody. Welcome into the eight o'clock hour, the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. Joining me now, friend of the program, editor in chief of the bird rights covering the New Orleans Pelicans for SB nation, co-host of the bird calls, in you know, podcast. Ali Cassell joins us to talk some NBA Pelicans coaching search might be narrowed down to one might be a little more open than is being reported. We'll get his thoughts on that and more. Good morning, Ollie. How you been, my friend? Good morning, Scott. Been well. Been enjoying the playoffs just like everybody, but man, I wish we could turn off injuries somehow. It's it, uh, it's weird because there's the the argument out there that you know I know LeBron's on. Well, we need more rest. We need more of this. And and look, it, there's no question that this particular season has been grueling for a number of reasons. Compact schedule. You throw in the testing and all this other stuff. But like. The Giannis injury last night, Trey Young's injury two nights prior, um, you know, where he fell on a ref's foot. I mean, some of these, some of these are just freak injuries, unfortunately. I mean, that was everybody's kind of lost their their breath there last night, and I think you tweeted just not not Giannis. And um, when you're this close and you're in the conference finals, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say other than just bummer. I mean, I know that's. <laughs> That doesn't really do it justice, but that's just kind of all I can say at this point with these injuries. No, and I agree with you, Scott. Uh, injuries always happen seemingly in opportune times, but it's, this is different because every team is seemingly afflicted with something, right? The Clippers losing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we thought Paul, Chris Paul might have been done. Remember with uh, in, in that series against the Lakers in the first round, his shoulder injury. You know, the Jazz had to deal with no Mike Conley. Um, of course, even before the playoffs began, the Nuggets, right? Losing Jamal Murray. So it has definitely been a major uh, put in imprint, right, on these playoffs. And feels like it, it's a determining factor. Probably who's going to win the championship. Healthy team uh, standing, probably going to win. I don't know. But no, it looks like maybe we're headed that way. No question. And look, the, you, you've got it every year. If you go look back, there's a team or there. But this year, it seems more than any other. And I. You know, I remember just when the playoffs started, I I did not have Brooklyn getting to the finals. A lot of people did, and part of it was just like, look, the injury factor this season is going to be higher than any other because of it just felt like it with the grueling compressed mm-hmm. schedule the way it was. Throw in the fact that you just have some unfortunate, um, you know, kind of freak injuries that are going to occur, and I think that's kind of where we are right now. Then you got the series. The finals are going to be in July, I, you know. If you look at the ratings earlier in the postseason, they were really good. You had some really good games. I don't know what they're going to be like in the finals. I'll be watching. Um, but it w- if if you're missing a number of the superstars that aren't able to play in it, it's it's gonna it's gonna feel a little different. But it's an NBA championship. That's what's on the line here. So we, you know, Atlanta they they were going to win last night regardless of Giannis's injury. I mean, they were just without Trey Young just blowing up. I mean, they the, the, the Bucks did not come to play. And then you got the Suns, who were up 3-1. We'll see if they can close it out tonight in Phoenix, but tell you what, man, um, uh, <laughs> the Clippers are tough. I'm sorry, the game's in L.A. tonight. You know, the Clippers are just, they're just, what, what is Teron Lue? I mean, he's 10-2 and two as a head coach in elimination mm-hmm. games. Like, that's I mean, I know that a lot of people like to pile on the Clippers, but hats off to them, man. That's a that's a that's a tough group there. So, what what is with injuries 
being what they are, what in your mind is the f-up going to look like? Let's just say, hypothetically, honest can't come back. We'll learn more later today, but it doesn't look good. What do you think the, the, the finals matchup is going to look like at this point, Ollie? Right, just a week ago, I would have easily said uh, Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, but now, you know, I still think the Suns will get there. I think you've got to really favor the Hawks out of the East. Uh, they're such a deep team. They showed yesterday. I mean, Nate McMillan has done a great job. He throws in Lou Williams in a starting lineup, and all he did was produce 21 points, and their depth just shined. Uh, they had Bogdanovich step up in, uh, with uh, Trey Young gone, missing for the game. Kevin Herter did his thing. Uh, oh, and the biggest surprise to me was Cam Reddish coming off the bench. has barely played since yeah. all his injuries. Comes in, does a great job, and then Clint Capella hit that crazy shot over the backboard, so you just knew it was going to go their way. So, no, I, I think the Hawks have simply too many weapons uh, for the Bucks because I honestly don't expect Giannis to play the rest of this season, or this series, I should say. Um, that, that knee injury looked bad, Scott, when you just watched it. I didn't want to watch it again. The knee really went in the, in the direction of the leg. That legs don't bend that way. So mm-hmm. uh, it's an unfortunate thing for Milwaukee, but they don't have the depth. I mean, Drew and Chris Milton would have to really be special, I think, to get past the Hawks. But you're right, Scott, out in the West, what Ty Lu has done is incredible. Uh, in that last game, he, starting small by having Nicholas Batum be the center and then going big when DeAndre Ayton sat down with DeMarcus Cousins paid dividends. Marcus Moore stepped up. Reggie Jackson's been great this loss. And I think Paul George might be the best player in that series. Uh, he really showed it in the last game especially. Devin Booker, yeah, he's great. But there's something about Paul George when he's in this zone um, and he's not getting frazzled towards the end of the games. Yeah, like I said, don't underestimate this Los Angeles Clippers team. They were down how many times? I think twice, three times, down 0-2 to start series. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know series they're still this... down 3-2. and two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, so, so um, what happens tonight? Is this thing going 7, or can Phoenix end it here? You know, I'm going to go ahead and, for the first time, I think, this entire playoffs give the vote of confidence to the Clippers. I think, you know, I know that their home court hasn't been that big of an advantage so far, but they're playing really well, you know, and there's something about that toughness of that group that they're not going to back down. And Paul George, like I say, puts up those numbers. I think they're going to win. Reggie Jackson, you can rely on him. They've got a lot of other good key role players. Ali Cassell, our guest, ESPN1420N.com. Well, <clears throat> one team that is not in the postseason and hasn't been in the postseason very much in, um, let's just say, franchise history, would be the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, you're a guy that I always appreciate your opinion on them. You know, you've covered this team extremely close, editor-in-chief over there of the Bird Rights. You, you have sources. You, you also have optimism, Ali. It's one thing I've complimented you on. You're, you're an optimistic guy, I think, by nature. Um, and that's that's... You know what? That's a hell of a compliment coming from a guy that has to cover the Pelicans all the time. But um, <laughs> and you know, you know that I, I want this franchise to succeed. So I'm not, I'm not even mm-hmm. making a joke. I'm being serious here. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what have you made before we get to who the next coach is? What did you make of the reports from the Athletic article a few weeks ago? And Jan, uh, uh, Zion Williamson had some family members that were upset. He's only played 90 games there. Um, you know, David Griffin, uh, the culture, Stan Van not working out. I mean, I, I don't need to, to summarize everything, but just kind of the state of the franchise 
over the last year. What what are your thoughts on that article and where this franchise sits today? Yeah, they uh, had hopes of starting something up with Stan Van Gundy kind of being coming in being the leader because the core is really young, and they had hoped his previous experiences, especially with the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic, would have carried over and kind of grabbed hold of especially the two cornerstones, Zion and Brandon Ingram. And we saw the concerted efforts, right, the special meetings, uh, meeting with them after the games, talking about what could have been done better, but also accolading them at the same time. But as we learned, especially from that athletic article, uh, things did not go swimmingly uh, in terms of the team between, you know, like I said, the best players and the head coach. And I had honestly heard, and, and a few of us had heard about there being issues cropping up towards, I want to say, the last couple of months, right, where that was occurring, but especially between Brandon Ingram and Stan Van Gundy. So you had a sense, of course, that the Pelicans weren't going to keep going in that same direction. Somebody was probably going to have to go, and usually in today's game, right, it's always the coach that takes the uh, axe because Brandon Ingram's talented. He, there's not too many players of his ilk on the wings that can score 25 nights. So. It's understandable the direction they made, Scott. is an unfortunate, you know, hiring. You have to look back in retrospect because he did, you know, Stan Van Gundy did not connect with the players like, you know, one would have hoped. Whereas it's worked with, like, say, Tom Thibodeau in New York. It definitely didn't work here in New Orleans. So David Griffin had to go in a different direction. And I think that truly says, I think, to the which direction they're going to choose to go now. You know, we had just heard last night Mike D'Antoni as a possible rumor yeah, uh, coaching true. candidate here, right? No. But uh, that I, came out of the no. New York, uh, not Times, but New York, New York Post. Post, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I do believe that they met with him, right? But I don't think he's probably that high on the list, right? Good. That he's going to, yeah, going to take over. I, I have a sense that they just want to get a feel for him because he's well-respected mine. And I'll bet anything, David Griffin would love to bring on somebody like Mike D'Antoni to be maybe the first assistant, right? You want to have some kind of, leadership on that bench when you're going to be hiring somebody for the first time, like a Charles Lee. That, that's just my guess. I still think Charles Lee should be considered the favorite. Um, they, they need a fresh voice that's going to connect with the players. And that's what every article, everything I've, or everybody I've talked to hints at. You've got to establish that relationship with Brandon Ingram and Zion. Because even though Zion may not be ruffled, his parents are. And we've seen where when that starts with Anthony Davis. So, the men's have to be made, and I just feel like you've got to get somebody that can really just talk to these players in words that they understand, right? Somebody younger isn't going to berate them publicly. They're not used to that in today's game. So Charles Lee makes for my, like I said, my favorite choice. Um, I'm curious if anybody else will emerge from the woodwork because I don't really think, like I said, Mike D'Antoni really counts as a potential candidate, likely candidate. Well, uh, Ali sell our guest, what about Willie Green? Yeah, Willie Green and Jamal Mosley were my other two favorites uh, that have not been mentioned. But here's one thing. You would have had to ask for permission to speak to these two coaches, um, like, for instance, the Washington and Orlando did with Mosley, because they're still under contract. Willie Green, for instance, his team's still in the playoffs, so that would have been leaked. So the fact that we haven't heard those connections just makes me wonder. I don't think, I should say, that David Griffin's looking to go in that direction. But it's interesting the rumors are coming out now, and I wonder if that has something to do with you know Jacques Vaughn removing his name from the list. I know that Fred Vincent's still floating out there, but really it seems like Charles Lee or you know 
who else, but either way, Charles Lee seems like the overwhelming favorite. And I have a feeling the Pelicans don't want to project that. So that's why we heard Willie Green yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised to hear some other names besides Mike D'Antoni this week. Ali Castell, I guess. So I know that even before Jacques Vaughn had removed his name, um, you know, you wrote an article, I guess it was Monday, about uh, Charles Lee kind of just being the guy. Seems like that's the best choice. He's 36, um, quick trajectory. I mean, he's only been coaching in the NBA for, um, what, seven, eight years. So why, mm-hmm. why, why are you as um, high on him as, as – like, I don't, I don't have a – personally, I just don't have a strong – I don't I don't have a strong take on him just because I don't know a ton about him other than, you know, the, the, the bio, right? You know, Wikipedia, I've read some quotes from other coaches, but – it's not like a large body of work where I have a, you know, you say D'Antoni, all right, I have a strong feel about that. Um, you know, with Charles Lee, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's a young guy. He's younger, younger than <laughs> I am. And I guess I'm not young. I mean, that's, that's kind of not fair, but he's a young guy and he certainly would be uh, in terms of the, you know, coaches across the NBA. I, would he not be, I, I'd have to look it up if he's not, if he gets hired by the Pelicans, if he's not the youngest head coach in the NBA, he's certainly one of them. I think he probably would be though. I think it would be too. And uh, the last, well, the 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 current uh, young guy in the, in the league is Taylor Jenkins uh, with Memphis Grizzlies, and he's he's actually somebody that Charles Lee has worked with in Atlanta uh, under uh, Mike Budenholzer's uh, regime. Um, the biggest problem with Charles Lee, everybody says, is hey, he's only had you know the limited experience. Not a former actual player of the NBA. He played over in Europe for four years. And also, he's been under, like I said, Budenholzer the whole time here in the NBA. But I don't see those as issues. But either way, my, my biggest, or I should say my favorite thing regarding Lee is the fact that he's worked in a perfect situation, I think would translate here at New Orleans. And that's the fact that he's been with the Bucks now for three years. He has watched closely Giannis and Chris Middleton and their dynamic, how they've improved. And I feel like those two players are very close carbon copy of what the Pelicans have here, right? Milwaukee's got two two fours. One's a bruiser that loves to play in the paint. The other one likes to shoot from the outside. Pelicans have the same thing, I feel like, in Zion and Ingram. And as we know, they they didn't really complement each other in these first two years, but especially last year, even though they were in a court an awful long time, I just feel like they were just taking turns with the ball. They didn't bring out the best in each other, like raise the level, the bar of the Pelicans to where they were overwhelming um, – other teams, opponents, and of course, defensively, they just they just didn't really come out and play with any kind of, you know, just just the energy you need, the kind of leadership that need to be shown, as to where Lee has seen that come out of Giannis and Chris Middleton. So I feel like just from those experiences alone, he he, he has the knowledge that is really required for this job that would be most beneficial because the best way for the Pelicans to prove Scott is going to be. Zion and Brandon Ingram taking steps forward. And like I said, with Giannis doing that and Chris Middleton, that's why Milwaukee's now become one of the best teams in the league over the last three years. But more importantly, Lee knows how that happened. He, he, he knows, I feel like, how to basically talk to Zion and uh, B.I. on the importances of them needing to step up and all these other things as well. So, yeah, Charles Lee, he's a young guy, but I feel like that experience is invaluable. And a first-time guy, he's going to grab hold of, I think, of Zion's and B.I.'s attention span. Especially, boy, if, 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 had Giannis not gotten hurt, there's a good chance Lee was going to be able to walk into his next job. 
championship ring. And I think that would have really been a big thing for Zion and his camp. Ali Cassell, our guest, at Ali Cassell on Twitter, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Um, I, so if, if Charles Lee is the next guy for the Pels, he would be uh, a few months younger than Taylor Jenkins, but the youngest coach in the NBA would be uh, Mark uh, Dagnalt of the Thunder, who I think is 35. Oh, that's right. so, but, but he's okay. def- so second youngest. Um, and then, you know, one of three guys in their 30s, everybody else. 40 and above, but it's, you know, I, I, again, I don't have a strong feel for Lee. Um, his name was out there from the beginning, and it, in some ways, I know it's not the last one standing, but it's kind of what it feels like in terms of when you read the reports and who the front runners are, and then Jacques Vaughn pulling his name out. So we will see, but whoever it is, it's not going to matter unless they have the right roster constructed for them. Ali, you mentioned B.I. and Zion. What are the odds that Brandon Ingram is not on the team next? I think there's actual chance of that happening. I'm glad you bring that up um, because I feel like the Pelicans, when they make the decision on Lonzo, is could be a determining factor on whether Brandon stays. It's just hard to keep together a core that just, like I said, didn't really do much last year, where it didn't really uh, feel like that. There's hope. I know they're all still young guys, especially Zion, but Brandon and Lonzo, even though they're not 25 yet. They've been in the league long enough, and you would hope that they would be able to elevate the, a team's play. And while they weren't bad, for sure, they just didn't seem like one of these top two or three type of uh, units that paralleled other teams, especially teams that made the playoffs. So I think there's a good chance that Lonzo may come back, but I also think there's a good chance that Brandon Ingram, um, his name is going to be explored by other teams. Even though the Pelicans have talked about him being a cornerstone, I wonder about his fit with Zion. I really do. They've had now, what, 80-some-odd games together, and it just feel like it isn't coming together. And, if boy, if Brandon Ingram doesn't really turn into the kind of leader um, or, say, closing out games because he is a scorer first or just giving a team defensively, you know, he's going to be a liability then in, in a way. So it wouldn't be bad to float his name out there look at some other potential um, destinations for him to bring in somebody that could help. Because the Pelicans need to add not just one or two guys, but several guys. They need to have a lot of outside shooting added to this team. Um, And even though Brandon Ingram's a good shooter, he's commanding a lot of that salary cap. And I feel like, you know, if I had to just take a wild guess, I think Miami Heat, I I feel like they're a team that really needs somebody to be level score. For them, Jimmy Butler's not that guy. Bam, Bam out of buy isn't Tyler Hero disappointed. So they need to have somebody become that kind of face. As to where the Pelicans, like I said, they need three-point shooting. So maybe they could get Duncan Robinson and sign trade and grab Tyler Hero, who we know David Griffin's been high on in the past. You know, just something along those lines. Because, I, I, like I said, even though it's worked for uh, excuse me, Giannis and Chris Milton, I just, I'm not sure if it'll work with Zion and B.I. the same way. Um, so you have to explore that if you're the Pelicans and therefore Zion's going to be Zion's a generational talent, you know, he's not going where, so that makes, then you got to put your eyes on Brandon Ingram. And so I would not be surprised to learn, like I said, if they do explore, I'm possibly moving him. Ali Gassell, our guest. Yeah, I, I don't uh, ESPN 1420 and.com. I'm Scott Prather. I don't, um, 
I, the reports out there of, you know, the Pelicans being interested in Damian Lillard, and I'm like, well, yeah, so is, you know, every other team in the league. Um, I, I know that there's been talk, hey, they have the assets, they have all this. I just don't think he's going anywhere. And uh, and then if he did, I, I just don't see it happening. It's it's fun to dream. Um, you mentioned, you know, maybe a trade with Miami or something. I What's an ideal fit in your mind of somebody with a Zion and – um, maybe it's not even maybe it's, maybe it, maybe you have a specific player in mind a realistic ideal fit anyway or maybe you just have an idea of what a player should should look like I mean this team obviously needs shooting right but that's the way it's currently mm-hmm. constructed and the way it's currently constructed needs to look very very different next November uh, and that's David Griffin's job he needs to figure that out but um, any other potential trades in in, in this offseason that you see the Pelicans making? aside from the potential one you mentioned uh, with the Heat? Well, you had hoped maybe there'd be word, right, with either the Pacers or the Celtics because of the disappointing seasons of wanting to go in a different direction. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. Um, hiring, hiring Rick Carlisle in Indiana speaks volumes. I think they're going to want to keep, you know, good major pieces there for him because they want to win now. So my dream used to be, you know, trying to grab Malcolm Brogdon, especially since they had landed earlier in the year this year, uh, Karis Levert. But like I said, that's probably not going to happen. Same thing with the Celtics. Uh, Yudoka got hired. I thought maybe either Brown or Marcus Smart would get dangled, but Yudoka just, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, spoke very highly of Marcus Smart being a foundational piece. So I've got to think Jalen Brown's going to be viewed the same way. So they're not going to be looking to break up, but just looking to add to their core. Um, that's why the Damian Lillard news was kind of very interesting, especially for Pelicans fans, because they do have the assets. But I just, like you, Scott, I don't foresee that happening. One, they just signed Chauncey Billups to a really long-term deal. Um, Damian Lillard is not the guy to bolt. He's probably unhappy with a few things away, especially it shook down with, in hiring that coach. Uh, um, but he's not going to leave just yet. I think that he's going to give them at least in the year or so before he actually literally considers on moving because nothing has said out of his camp, I, I want to be traded if this and this doesn't happen. He's, he's not there yet. And, of course, would he want to come to the Pelicans? I know that, of course, he's still got a, you know three-some years left on his contract, but guess what? That doesn't matter nowadays. We saw James Harden force his way out of Houston with three years left. Um who else? Paul George left Oklahoma City after signing extension with him to get to the Los Angeles Clippers. So it doesn't matter to me that Dame's still signed for a while. He would have to want to come to New Orleans, I think, for that to happen. And of course, that would have to only ha- or could only happen if he'd be actually available. So I don't see that. Um, I'm hoping, you know, one guy I'm, I'm zeroed in on is also CJ McCollum because Portland does need to make some moves. There's no doubt about it. They just traded for Norman Powell. And I keep thinking you didn't give up uh, what you did to bring Norman Powell from Toronto if you're not going to re-sign him. He's a free agent this summer. And I don't think he's the perfect fit to where, you know, Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell is what you want to go forward with. It's a little bit small, not very defensive-oriented. So I can foresee them wanting to make Norman Powell their starting two-guard and then see what you can get for CJ to really help that team. It needs, you know, more depth. Zach Collins refactoring his foot does not help Portland, and and they need better wings, right? So CJ would be a great fit, I think, here in New Orleans. Um, That's who I'm looking for. If it can't be a guy like Dame, Steph, Trey Young, next best guy, somebody like CJ, who can run the pick and roll, can score from everywhere, 
who can who can score late in games. And even though the Pelicans have Kyra, Nikhil, um, you're not confident about them being ready to do what's necessary to help win games. So CJ, yeah, he's he's probably my next target. I would like to see um, if he, if he become available for David Griffin to chase because that's who they need to bring in, Scott. Somebody that can create his offense, be a great shot maker. That's what's required. We've seen in the playoffs, but also set up others. And I, I just feel like that's the type of guy they got to nail down. Just some kind of guard, some kind of wing. That, but he's a great shot maker. Pelicans really have Brandon Ingram. ESPN fourteen twenty. Ali Cassell has been our guest, editor in chief of the Bird Rights. Check out thebirdrights.com, the Pelicans SB Nation blog. Check out his podcast, The Bird Calls. You know, uh, Ali. Before I let you run, let's circle back to the postseason for a moment. Clippers Suns tonight. Uh, Paul George, Chris Paul. If 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 one of these two teams win the championship, and I think at this point. Let, with Giannis's injury, I think whoever comes out the West will be favored. Um, mm-hmm. Does a potential championship elevate Paul George? Let's say the Clippers win it. Would it elevate his legacy more than it would drop Chris Paul's, right? Like if Chris Paul doesn't win it, does that question make sense? Like does Paul George's legacy enhance more than maybe Chris Paul's would drop if the Clippers win the series and win the title? Or... Do you feel like uh, Chris Paul, if he doesn't get it done now, it's just never going to be what perhaps it justifiably should be already? Because I think he's already one of the best point guards of all time. Right, and that's exactly how I feel too. I think a lot of people always refer to Chris Paul as one of the top five point guards that ever played the game. So undoubtedly, I think winning a championship would do so much more for Paul George. Um, Let's face it, he was a laughing stock last season, right? The playoff P references and such the guy wilting under pressure not showing up for the big games was really becoming a thing and i still don't think he's completely cleared his name this season no not when you have i don't know what 14 games where you shot less than 25 percent from the field in the playoffs now you got you got it that's that's i guess i mean we're answering the question right it's i guess it's an obvious answer uh it would enhance more but man it would be nicer chris paul and i uh you know, I just I, I've always been a fan, and and obviously Monty Williams just such a great guy, mm-hmm. and um, been through so much, and and just I don't know, an admirable guy, right? A, a great character. So, you know, for that reason, I I hope the Suns get it done. But um, tell you what, man, they better they better win tonight, man. You don't want to get into Game Seven, and yeah. uh, if if you can close it out now and get some rest for a team that whoever it is that's coming out of the East is going to have had to go at least six games, and if it's seven, they'd be playing on Monday night. And, of course, they're they're a bit beat up. So uh, the Suns, with the win tonight, don't, don't just put themselves in the finals. They put themselves at a major advantage in the finals. But if they lose, man, all bets are off. Uh, this is a big win tonight. I'm hoping we haven't had a good game in a little while. Even that close game Saturday night was, let's be honest, Holly, that was not a well-played game. There were a lot of missed shots in that one. I'm, I, you know, the College World Series the last two nights have been stinkers. I, it feels like here in late June we haven't gotten great drama in the sports world. Whereas, man, prior to the last week or so, all the so many of the games were just absolutely thrilling. So we need some more of those, man. Bring them back because there's I feel like there's this negative cloud now, and everyone's talking about the injuries and what's going on. All you need is good, entertaining, competitive games. 
And that that just it, it swings the momentum. People start talking about how fun it was. They start talking about clutch performances. You know the value game, right? I mean, that it was annoying that the last thirty seconds took thirty three minutes, but because it was so thrilling, more of the focus was on the positives out of the game. So just the NBA can have some good games from here on out. Then then I think folks will tune in, and I think the reception will be positive. Lopsided games with injuries, man, be negative central. Exactly, and you hope that doesn't happen with the remaining uh, games in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, if Giannis doesn't come back, if Trey's either gimpy or has to miss another game, we may be headed for that kind of storyline out there. But, no, I, I have no really little fear, I should say, with the Western Conference. I think tonight's going to be a great game. They oh. disappointed the Suns, that is. And, you know, Chris Paul's going to have that team ready, Monty, tonight. And the Clippers haven't backed down at all. So I think tonight's going to be a really incredible contest. Getting back to what you want to see, just like all the rest of us do. Great stuff. Ali Cassell's been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Ali Cassell, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Go to thebirdrights.com for great Pelicans content that you're not going to get elsewhere. Ali, always appreciate it, man. All the best over there at NOLA, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Absolutely. Take care, Scott. Have a good day. You got it.